Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards at St. Louis Sports on 101 ESPN. Out for the season. Oh, Vogelback gets into one. High fly ball right field. And this one is going to fly out of here. Daniel Vogelback. Two-run home run with two outs in the sixth inning. Miller slings one in. Manny Pena gets into one. That one's not coming back. It is way up there in Big Mac land. 2-2 pitch and a swing and a miss. Ashby strikes out the side. About as impressive as you can do it. And the Brewers snap the Cardinals' winning streak. It ends at 17. It was an impressive streak. Was it ever? Welcome into the Danny Mac Show on a Thursday morning. Tanner is with me. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Tanner Hendrickson, and he'll be with BK and Alex coming up after this program. And it's day baseball as the Cardinals wrap up the season series and this series with the Milwaukee Brewers. All good things, I guess, must come to an end. And that's, yeah, well, it happened last night. And the Cardinals uh, lost that ball game by the final of 4 to nothing. The Brewers, by the way, I think it was their 19th shutout of the year. 4 to nothing was the final. Now, we did not see Tyler O'Neill, no Nolan Arenado, and Tommy Edmond. Instead, we saw Lars Newtbar at the top. Matt Carpenter played third. Jose Rondon at second. He had a base hit. Also a terrific play in shallow center on a catch. And the Cardinals' uh, 17-game winning streak comes to a close. So they've got left on the schedule. Day baseball with Jay Happ on the mound today. 11.30 on Bally Sports with the pregame show. 12.15 the first pitch. If you have a ticket, it's at 12.15. And then the final series of the regular season tomorrow as the Cubs will be in town. My guest coming up today, I'll visit with Jim Hayes of Valley Sports. Also, Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com does a great job covering the minor leagues, and uh, there's a lot of news concerning some big names from the Cardinals going to the Arizona Fall League, and uh, we'll talk about that. Last night, it was Miles Michaelis on the mound, and he took the loss, but I thought he was pretty sharp, and Michaelis saw that streak come to a close. There's a lot to learn. Um, you know, attitude is everything. Success is contagious. Uh, you know, luck favors the prepared. I mean, there's a, a dozen cliches that I could use to describe the way that our, our winning streak went, but I think the best way to describe it is, you know, teamwork uh, and having everyone pushing towards a common goal, uh, for the most part, will always win out. And I think that's what we did well is, we never gave up, and we, we stuck together through guys' good outings and bad outings. We picked each other up when we, when we needed to. And it, it's nice to know that everybody on your team, on the team, all, you know, 26 or 7 or 8 guys, however many guys in there, that everybody's got your back. Yeah, and I think I can understand this. Fans might be a little frustrated. Hey, you had a chance to go for 18 in a row last night. Nolan Arnato's not in there. No Tommy Edmond. Uh, some of the regulars sat. But you got to get rest when you can. And it's now about the postseason. And it's not about playoff positioning. It's about one game. So that's what the important thing is right now is to try to get to uh, the advancement inside postseason play. You know, you think about it. May 16th, the Cardinals have been just swept by the Padres in their first meeting since last year's playoff loss to them. They lost that ball game 5-3. to three. 
Tyler O'Neill got hit by a pitch, and the team looked lost. Remember, they were blown out in that series. So on the 18th, Tyler O'Neill put on the IL with a fractured finger. May 22nd, Miles Michaelis, last night's starter. It was his first start of the season, first game back. He went four innings, hits the IL the next day. May 24th, Harrison Bader dies for a ball against Pittsburgh, rolls over it, hits the IL the next day. Remember, he had a broken rib. Then May 31st, the big one, Jack Flaherty leaves uh, the Dodger game, hurt himself swinging the bat. He's on the IL with a strained oblique. Then it's the month of June. So the Cardinals go 10-17, and 17, third worst record in the National League in that month. They had a six-game losing streak. They had a five-game losing streak. They averaged barely three runs a game. That was the worst mark in the major leagues. It was the worst month for June in St. Louis since 1966. The team ERA was near five in June, second worst in the National League, worst full month for St. Louis pitchers since July of 2008. So my point is the team was lost at that point in time. But somehow, someway, they made some acquisitions, started throwing strikes, guys got healthy, and Mike Schilt and the Cardinals somehow, someway, put together a 17-game winning streak. Candidly, you know, we've pretty even-keeled bunch, but we took a minute to stop and say, man, that was, that was a cool run, you know, but let's start another one. Um, you know what I remember about it? I, I I remember the togetherness of it. I, you know that's the thing that first strikes out to me. You know, the the absolute belief in in everybody and and every moment and everybody was just you know laying it out there um, every single opportunity they got. And there was, as you know, that's I mean there's so many moments in that in that streak where people stepped up and got it done 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 and, and there's everybody in the roster that was a part of that and that's the that's my favorite part about it because I'm a I'm a big team guy and um, I love seeing our group of guys go out and play the way they played free aggressive hungry it was quite a run and like I said it's time for another one so how did it turn around well you picked up Wade LeBlanc he was throwing strikes and settled things down in the bullpen Cardinals went out and got T.J. McFarlane. They went out and got Luis Garcia. Those two guys are playing big roles for the bullpen right now. Today's starter helped out Jay Happ, John Lester, who's been pushed back to Saturday against the Cubs. That was a big one. So before the trade deadline, the Cardinals were 52-52. and 52. They were 500. They were 7th in the National League. The starting pitching ERA was 14th in baseball, so they're right in the middle. It was a 4-1-7 ERA. The relievers were 17th in Major League Baseball in ERA at 4-3-3. After the deadline, the Cardinals have gone now 36-18. They're third in the National League with that record. Their ERA of the starting pitchers, fifth best in baseball. Relievers, fifth best in baseball. So the improvement obviously was made with those additions and also getting healthy, which means Miles Michaelis. So I think Michaelis plays a role for the Cardinals, obviously, in what happens in postseason play. Velocity was good last night. Breaking ball looked sharp. What did he think of his outing? Yeah, I feel like there was, you know, there was a lot for me to like about this game, with the exception of one pitch in that last inning. Um, the fastball was good. I was able to throw some good breaking balls. I had a couple, you know, more strikeouts than I'd usually have in a, you know, in, a, in five and two thirds for me, which is nice. So my stuff is. It's definitely there. It's ticking up. I made some great pitches and, you know, 
Kind of a sour taste. Uh, it just didn't end the way I wanted to. The first inning kind of got away. You had an infield hit. You had a wild pitch, put a man in scoring position, and all of a sudden you were down one nothing. The one pitch I know he wants back was the two-run homer that was launched by Vogelback. So five and two-thirds. Seven hits from Michaelis last night, three earned, one walk, struck out seven, which was a season high for him. What did Mike Schultz see? I mean, they put some swings on, you know, Miles, a couple swings, um, but I thought he pitched well. He kept them on the ground for the most part. Um, you know, he started to get his rhythm a little bit. You know, I thought Miles was pretty darn good. Well, the, the question, though, I have coming out of last night, and I think we know what we have in Miles Michaelis. I think the question, Tanner, Right now is, what did you think of Jack Flaherty coming out of the bullpen? So he had an inning last night, one hit, walked one, struck out one. And that is the big question, I think, going forward. What do you do with Jack Flaherty? I'm assuming that if he comes out of last night, wakes up this morning, he's healthy, he feels good, you'll see him one more time pitch this weekend against the Cubs. And then the question is, is it smart for the short term to put him on the roster, does he give you something that you believe in? Are you seeing that? Or is it better to say, hey, you proved that you were healthy. We're going to shut you down because we have so much tied into you going forward. And that's the question right now the Cardinals have to answer. Yeah, it's a tough It's a tough one for the Cardinals to answer. And, you know, I thought Flaherty looked pretty good last night in his one inning. Sure, he had two base runners, but he's getting rusty. No, no rehab outings because of the scheduling and all of that. But I thought he looked good, and it feels like the Cardinals are in that tough spot like they had with Michael Walker back in, what was it, 2013, where he was coming off the injury, they wanted to get him work, and then they put him on the postseason roster, and then they brought him in and gave up the walk-off homer to Ishikawa. I'm at the point now where I think I would shut him, I'd give him another outing and then determine it. I think right now where I sit, I would sit on keeping him off the postseason roster, just because it feels like right now he can only give you maybe an inning, and then after that he may need to be shut down for a day or two. Yeah, he's not because he's not a, he's not a traditional reliever. It's not like I can go to Luis Garcia say in game three, and then I can go right back to him in game four. I don't know if Flaherty can do that yet because he's not built up and he's not built like a reliever. Yeah, I, I think that's the the crux of it right there is can you go back to back and if you can't then you're sacrificing a spot for somebody that you think can help you in back-to-back situations however if you think he's back to where he was that one inning could win you a game and you say well maybe it's worth doing it Mike Schilt talked about before the game just trying to get Flaherty ready to go and see what may happen we're in the balancing act there and we're gonna you know continue to figure out what that looks like and we're not gonna we're not going to push to push, you know. We're gonna we're gonna you know pitch him when he feels good and feels um, confident. We're gonna give him the opportunity to go out and compete, but we also recognize that you know we're about to head into a postseason, and and um, you know it's not a it's it's a time to you know obviously put put the guys out there that can help us the most. Jack is clearly a guy that can help us, um, but we, we got to make sure we are carrying our, our, our group that you know don't have a lot of limitations in that in that setting the other big story i think from last night and it happened off the field and a good story i i was never concerned about arenado opting out now i can understand a fan's perspective and saying well he's got that option to opt out this year he has the option by the way next year to do so um i get the privilege to MC these different events and uh, with the cardinals and season ticket holders and so we try to pull the curtain back a little bit. You know, the fans invest into the Cardinals and 
maybe you're, you're going to hear some things that normally you don't hear, whether it be on a broadcast or read in uh, online or listening on the radio. And John Mosellock was was speaking and he said, well, I do have some news. He said, I've never really had this happen before. And it was basically like an hour before the first pitch, Tanner. So Nolan Arenado goes from the clubhouse, walks to John Mosellock's office. So if you know where the dugout is, the clubhouse is behind that. And the front office and the business offices are down the left field line. So he walked all the way down there, walks into Mo's office and says, hey, Mo, by the way, I just want to tell you, I'm not opting out. So looking forward to, you know, a long run or whatever he said. But he did say uh, in person to Mo in his office, I'm not opting out. I didn't have any concerns or reservations that he might opt out. I just didn't think that would happen. But uh, I, I think for fans, it puts them at ease. And Nolan's coming back for at least another year and probably the long term. Yeah, I didn't have any concerns either of him opting out. And I, I imagine what Mo's reaction was when he saw Nolan at his front. I, I I don't think he suspected him just walking into his office going, exactly. yeah, I'm opting out. But he was like, oh, no, what's going on? Especially because he'd heard the news of Devin Williams and how the Brewers had their guy break his hand. And then he had to go That's tell huge, the GM. That's huge, by the way. That is huge. So it was probably a good thing and a good sigh of relief when Mo just heard him say, yeah, I'm opting in. Mo was probably like, oh, whew, I thought you were going to come here and tell me some bad news. I think Mo at all times felt that this was you, you don't make that move and give up what they gave up unless you really feel comfortable and have background that the young man is going to stay you know that a player is going to stay and then again once you get the experience of coming to St. Louis the fan base winning and I thought that was really something that stood out a couple of nights ago in the celebration he said this is why I came here I came here to win and have a chance to go to postseason so Nolan Arenado in the fold for at least one more year and I would suspect the long term coming up we're going to visit with Jim Hayes also Brian Walton's coming up we'll talk to Jim Hayes we'll talk about what the celebration was like uh, Nolan Arenado coming back uh, and the 17 game winning streak maybe some of the uh, favorite moments that he has that uh, stood out for him Brian Walton with some news on the minor leagues and all that is coming up. It's the Danny Mac Show on a Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. The Danny Mac Show on a Thursday as we get you set for baseball, 101 ESPN. A little bit later, Brian Walton will break down what's happening with the Arizona Fall League for the St. Louis Cardinals. There's some big names that are headed to the Arizona Fall League. But first, we say good morning to my great friend. You'll see him on Valley Sports coming up on the pregame show at 1130. And that is Jim Hayes. Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing well, Danny. You know what they say, all good things must come to an end, and so it goes for that Cardinal winning streak. But, uh, you know, they clinched. They're in the playoffs. This has been an unbelievable ride. And you know what? I got to say, too, some of the calls along the way that you've made also memorable. I think they're going to be intertwined in what we saw on the field, too, because you provided that kind of soundtrack, Danny. Well, I appreciate that. I I always say that we are – you know, in a way, fans with the access and uh, call it like a fan. And it was so much fun. I, I, I was trying to think the other day what the best moment may have been. I'm not sure you could have one. I would assume maybe the double play at Wrigley, the crazy one on Saturday. There was a lot of double plays. I think they turned 20 or 21 during the 17 games. But is there a moment for you because of an individual or what happened afterwards in an interview or whatever, just because you loved it, was there a moment that stood out more for you as uh, opposed to some of the others? 
I know it's kind of a bad answer, but uh, let's face it, you know, I'm not so good on radio. Uh, to me, it's the amount of moments packed into that winning streak. I, I said this on Twitter. It was like you took a season worth of great moments and packed it into a 17-game winning streak. And I would said the other day, and I kind of felt this way, because we saw so many great things coming from behind, crazy plays where you see Harrison Bader in, involved in a double play and Tyler O'Neill standing there kind of taking it all in on the infield. I, I said, if the Cardinals win tomorrow and I don't see a triple play, a hidden ball trick, and Bigfoot running onto the field <laughs> with an accordion, I'm going to be disappointed because we've seen so much. It's really true. And by the way, you're great at radio, Jimmy. You're, you're just Thank fabulous. You, yeah. Thank you, Dan. No, no problem. <laughs> Someone needs to pick you up very fast. Um, I, I would say this, too, is that if I'm John Moselock and Michael Gersh and I'm, I'm the front office, um, you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm loving it, obviously, because the, the team is winning and they're going into postseason play. But, man, um, they, they were able to make some moves that, that – now people are, are looking at and going, well, maybe these guys do know what the heck's going on. And with the fact that they let the outfield play this year and it's played out to what they thought it might be. I mean, there's a lot of things that have fallen into place. Not to say that everything's been perfect because it hasn't, but if you're the front office, man, you, you've really proven a lot of people wrong. I, I think that um, that's a great point. You know, letting Tyler O'Neill develop, letting Dylan Carlson develop. I think that was a big one for the Cardinals. And especially. Bader. Yeah, and Bader, um, especially when, you know, so many of the other guys that the Cardinals have parted ways with seem to be <clears throat> getting traction. I, I, I love their outfield, and it's young, and they're all talented. That's great. I think that the stabilizing of the pitching staff, starting with Wade LeBlanc and bringing in um, Garcia and McFarland, and then, of, of course, Lester and Hap. But you talk to uh, John Mazalock about it, and they'll point to that. Certainly, she'll will, but even Mo will agree that they've gotten more out of some of those guys than they anticipated. When they brought in Lester and Hap, it was really to stabilize. And I, I think these were veteran guys who threw strikes, and they were like, all right, these guys can get us through this season. Hopefully good things happen. Well, they did happen, and Lester and Hap have been really good. And I know that uh, Lester, who Schultz says is going to make his next start, had been dealing with some physical things. We've seen the evolution of a veteran pitcher who wasn't afraid to say, you know what, I'm not a power pitcher anymore. I have to do it another way. He's been good. Half stuff, I mean, still plays. He he said basically his his uh, results have improved because he's learned how to sequence, how to use his pitches better. And he said some of that, you know, is a credit to Yachty and, and uh, Mike Maddox. Yeah, and also kind of a fly ball pitcher. Put him at Bush Stadium with the defense that they have, and they they've, they've shown it. Um, those numbers are going to look a little bit different for your pitching staff, too. Um, it was interesting yesterday, and Jim Hayes of Valley Sports is my guest. I was emceeing a uh, season ticket holder event, and the first thing that Mo says, it was maybe, Jim, I, I would say like an hour before the first pitch, and he said, well, I've just had an interesting uh, situation and conversation. And, you know, the, the crowd's kind of like, huh, you know, what, what's he going to say here? He said, well... A player walked from the clubhouse all the way down to my office, which is on the other side of the building in the stadium, and walked in and said, hey, by the way, I'm not opting out. And it was Nolan Arenado who walked to Moe's office to tell him that. So 
there is another opt-out, I believe, after next year. But he said, look, I, I want to be here. I want to be here long-term just to make sure this thing's official, but I'm not opting out. Um, I don't think that's any surprise to you. But what, what did you think when you heard that news? Well, I, I expected it, but it was great to hear. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, scoops with Danny Max, so you got a good one there. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's a good one. I, but it, it didn't surprise me. You know, when we talked to Arenado on the field uh, after they clinched, and the thing that stood out to me about what he said, he said, I've never been part of a team that had this kind of fight. He said, and he was pretty honest about it, he said, we've had some some bad losses. And he said, I mean, really bad losses. The kind of losses that make some teams give it up and say, not our year. And he said, this team never happened. You know, that never happened. They always believed that there would be a run. And then one appeared and he said, in that run, he said, we're down two, three runs. And we know we're going to come back. Someone, someone on this team, and he said, it's a different guy every night, is going to do something, make a special play, and we're going to win this one. And to hear him say that, and then to hear him say, that's why I'm here. You know, th- this kind of baseball is why I'm here. Kind of affirmed the way I thought he felt, which is he's having a, a ball here, Danny. Absolutely. Um, you've been a part of a lot of celebrations because the Cardinals have done a lot of winning since we've been doing the games. Um, this this last one was unique because of COVID protocols. What did you think about it? Was it subdued? Was it uh, a normal one? I mean, we saw the video inside the clubhouse and guys are going nuts, but it's different when you're in there and you're interviewing guys and they're going crazy. Or you can interview Garrett Stevenson like I did uh, over two decades ago and he drops an F-bomb on live television. So you never know what's going to happen. So what, what did you think um, of what you saw with the celebration and how the guys reacted the other night? You did a great job with it too. Thanks. I, I, I thought it was better than I anticipated, you know, because once they're done with the celebration, they're dousing each other. You know, my dry cleaning bill is a lot less, even though Shil got me at the end. And he, he was he was able to pour on stuff on me and one drop got my eye and burned. So it did bring back memories of years of getting killed in it. But I think what made it kind of work and, and made it better than I anticipated is the difference is that the families, because of the protocols, couldn't be in the clubhouse either. So the families were out on the field. So I think that kind of kept the energy going for the players. You know, they were eager, eager to share some of that with their family. And, and so while we're doing interviews, that was a backdrop. And I thought that was pretty good. And, and you know, the guys were, were genuinely excited, kind of like Cardinal fans. You got the sense that there were times where it was rocky for these guys this year. And they pulled through and they punched a ticket to the uh, postseason. We'll see how it goes in the, in the uh, wild card game. How about Mike Schilt, the job that he's done this year? Um, I know a lot of fans, and you see it all the time, with those tough losses, uh, they want to see him go off on a, a post-game Zoom or a press conference and and talk about flipping the spread and going crazy and yelling at players. That's just not Mike Schilt, but we both know him very well. Mike Schilt has a, <laughs> a desire to win as much as anybody, and it burns. And believe me, he's getting after guys privately, but... What do you think this means to Mike Schilt to see this team come together and, and make this run and get into postseason? If if you don't believe in um in Mike Schilt having fire, um, then you're not an umpire that makes a mistake and calls timeout right. during a, a live play. You know, right. we saw that firsthand. I give Schilt a lot of credit because I think it's easy for managers when things are going bad to deflect from themselves 
and put it back on their team and call out the team. You know what that does? That gives them some equity with the fan base. What it doesn't do, I don't think, is help the overall feel of the ball club. And Schilt took the bullets. You know, he knew some of the stuff he was saying, gosh, golly gee, you know, we're better than this and it's going to turn around. He knew that that would put the bullseye on him and he didn't care because he's not going to throw his team under the bus. And I think in the long run, that's healthier for the ball club. In terms of postseason play and that one-game playoff, in just your opinion, Jimmy, as you see the matchups, what would you like to see as the the Cardinals will, will have that next Wednesday? What do you mean in terms of who's pitching? No, 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 no. Like, who do you want to see them face in a one-game playoff? Who do you think they best match up with? Uh, I mean, both those teams that they could face are really good. Um, I, You know, you, you think, do you want to face Scherzer? Because that's who you're going to see if it's the Dodgers. I, 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 I think overall the way the season has gone, um, and, and based on, I mean, both the Giants and, and Dodgers have been really, really good. I, I, I just have a feeling they can beat the Dodgers. They've, they've seen Scherzer. They've beaten really good pitchers, you know, by, by being patient and just working these guys and putting the stress on them. And I think it'd be fun to do that in Los Angeles. So that's what I'm pulling for. We got about, uh, let's see, today. And then uh, for us on Valley Sports, we'll do three of the four games remaining. I always think there's storylines um, in the final week of a season, whether you're in it or not. Uh, in this case, we've got Mike Shannon's final games. You got uh, Paul Goldschmidt, two runs batted away from 100. Nolan Arenado can set the all-time record for third baseman in St. Louis in terms of home runs in a single season. Matt Carpenter could be his final time playing in front of the fans of St. Louis. What are, what are some of the storylines um, that you're looking at in the, the final weekend of, of this regular season? Jack Flaherty. Um, yeah. If, if they're able to shape him into a, a weapon for the postseason, I think that's an intriguing piece. We haven't seen Dak uh, much, but he pitched well when, when in his return. I want to see how they're going to use him. Um, they have some decisions to make uh, about – this roster, but you know, I, I do think one of the big underlying ones is uh, Mike Shannon's final season um, to be as beloved and do it so well. And so entertainingly for so long tip of the cap. And um, I, in a way, I think it's perfect because this has been in a way, a magical season for the Cardinals. And it's a good send off for Mike who has, you know, been iconic for, for so long. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned like who starts game one. I, I think we all know, or that first playoff game, it'll be Adam Wainwright. But with what you saw out of Flaherty yesterday, what do you think that's going to, to, to be like? I, I would assume that they want to get him one more appearance just to see what they have and to see that he comes out of yesterday okay. He did pitch yesterday, had a scoreless inning, had a little traffic that he had to deal with. But then Hudson, too, Jimmy, do you look at him as maybe being a starter, or do you think he works out of the pen? You know, John Mazalak, when I spoke to him last, said, we look at Dak as a starter. Now, is he? are we sure that he's the same guy he was before? No, but we think he's going to be plenty good. So I think they're, they just want to double-check everything. And they also were saying how they want to see how he fits into what they need. And in terms of um, Jack, I mean – Look how many rehab starts most guys have when they're coming back from an injury. You know, Jack had none. So this is doing it on the fly. And so what they told me with Jack is they wanted to build him up cautiously, 
and safely and gradually. And that's what they're doing. Schultz said, we're, we're going to try to get him going in, in um, not high leverage situations just because he needs touches. And that's what they're doing with him because they know if they can hit that magic mark where he's gotten enough of them to be sharp um, out of the bullpen, he can be a guy that can really, really help him. As we all know, his stuff is sick. And a final question for you, Jimmy, um, as the team rattled off 17 in a row and you're talking to the players, you're talking to the manager of the front office, what was the feeling of the club? I mean, was it like, we can't believe we're doing this? Or, yeah, this is what, maybe not 17 in a row, but, yeah, this is this is the team we were supposed to be. And, and it's a veteran team and also young guys, so there's different perspectives that these guys uh, approach this situation with. What was it like? I think some of the younger guys were like, this is the greatest thing that I've ever experienced. <laughs> but you talk to some of the veterans, and I, I think one of the things, like a, a guy like Tyler O'Neill sort of developed into a veteran along the way. You know, like you, you could see his, his progress. But you talk to the veterans, and they weren't crying when they weren't winning because they felt this was in there all along. Um, and they're not – they weren't popping champagne corks after winning 10 in a row either because they know there's work to do and they still believe that. Um, but they were like the happy that this is the team that they always thought was in there. So I think some of the veteran guys knew a run was coming. No, not 17 in a row, but much better baseball. And they felt like this is a playoff team. So they kind of feel like that part of the mission is accomplished but they have more work to do. So pregame show on Valley Sports in about an hour. What uh, what do you got planned for us today at 1130? We got, we, we got Gersh coming on. Um, I'm going to hit him uh, with the hard-hitting questions and hold him accountable for last night's loss. Sure. We'll, we'll try to get a feel for uh, what direction they're going to go with certain guys and just get his thoughts on the, on the remarkable run that uh, put him in the postseason. Hey, buddy, thanks for doing this. You're always the best, and you've done a great job, as always, uh, this season on Valley Sports covering Cardinal baseball, and uh, I'll see you down at the ballpark. As you always say, Danny, you my dog. Holla. Holla. That is Jim Hayes coming up. We'll visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com and some news with the minor leagues. Can't get enough Cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac show on a Thursday rolls on. Many thanks to Jim Hayes. And now we switch gears and talk it over with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Covers the minor leagues specifically and an emphasis on the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals are rolling. So I uh, want to get into that with Brian, but also what's happening with the minor leagues. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. And it's certainly a lot more fun to talk when the major league team is winning games and has punched their playoff ticket again for the third year in a row under manager Mike Schilt. And this is something that I think all of us felt was an unlikely possibility as recently as a month ago. And it's just been tremendous to see how the entire team has come together, all aspects of the game, the offense, the pitching, the bullpen, you know, it stopped all the free passes. The Cardinals are getting ahead in games and the guys that they brought in midseason that, you know, a lot of us thought were stopgap guys like Hap and Lester, have become strong contributors down the stretch. It's been amazing. And I want to ask you about Mike Schilt. When you were watching him manage in the minor leagues, I've always said he's he was kind of a riverboat gambler. I mean, he he would take chances. And uh, and to his credit, he stayed the course, didn't he, this year? And, and, and making sure that, you know, 
I know fans at times wanted him to get upset when the team wasn't doing well and and project that uh, you know in some of the post game press conferences and whatnot, but he didn't do that and he stayed the course. So you you got to give him a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. You're you're right, Dan, and I think that folks have to remember. You know, it's unfortunate that that um, that Randy Rosarena you know shared that video of of Mike Child in the clubhouse a couple years back. But the point is, you know, how a manager conducts himself with the press. Uh, and with the public is different than what he might do behind closed doors. And I know Mike Schill well enough to know that when butts need to be kicked, he did, but he just chose not to do it in front of you and me in the world. So I think that he needed to keep that calm, um, you know, we're staying on path demeanor because, you know, taking down people in public never ends up positively uh, either for the player or, or for the manager in that matter. And he remained professional during some very difficult times as those loose streaks and that long stretch of playing 500 balls. So, you know, I think Schultz deserves a lot of credit for you know, keeping the, the ship on course. You mentioned Randy Arozarena, and it was about this time last year he was starting to catch fire for Tampa Bay. And there was a lot of heat on the front office. And the front office went into this year and said, look, we're going to find out about Tyler O'Neill. We're going to find out about Harrison Bader. We think we know what we have in the 22-year-old Dylan Carlson, but uh, you got to give the front office credit, too, for sticking with that projection of outfielders that could, in their minds, produce, and boy, have they ever. Yeah, you know, and it's take, it's taken a while for Tyler O'Neill to come through, but, I mean, remember the Fuhrer, Marco Gonzalez, the, the player that the Cardinals gave to the Mariners for Tyler O'Neill, uh, was a top left-handed pitcher. And, you know, and to his credit, he's been well for Seattle. But if you look at what we've seen from Tyler O'Neill in the last month or so, and if he can keep that up over a longer haul – this is going to be a trade that the Cardinals will definitely win. I mean, he's slotted now into that third spot, all very important third spot in the lineup between Goldschmidt and Arnado, and he's just playing with great confidence right now. And, and both he and Harrison Bader are laying off those pitches, you know, low and outside that they used to chase in the past. And as a result, the Cardinals outfield, which was looked like a weakness for much of the year, early part of the year, now has become a major strength. No question about it. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com does an amazing job covering the minor leagues. And there was some news in terms of the players that are now headed to the Arizona Fall League. We've had our visits and trying to figure out, well, who's going to go to the Arizona Fall League? And we hadn't heard anything, but there's some pretty big names going to the Arizona Fall League from the Cardinals. Yeah, this is an interesting year in that the schedules and the rosters have been announced very, very late. We're only two weeks away from the start of the Arizona Fall Leagues. In terms of the, the roster that the Cardinals are providing for the Glendale Desert Dogs, I think the, the, the most interesting players, certainly Jordan Hicks, who we know what he can do on the mound when he's healthy, but he's now to the point where he's ready to pitch. And while he can do some rehab work in Memphis, this is going to be an extension of opportunity for him in the fall. Uh, we don't know yet whether he's going to close or whether he'll just throw an inning here and there, but it's an important step for Hicks to show that he can be healthy to pre- and prepare for the 2022 season. So Jordan Hicks will be in the Arizona Fall League. And then, of course, uh, the top hitting prospect in the organization, Nolan Gorman. So we'll get another chance to see uh, him play some second base against some advanced competition, most likely, and prepare his bat to come to camp to compete for a job with St. Louis. Um, Juan Yepes, the young man that we talked so much about this year, uh, corner infielder, but also can play some corner outfielder, a nice power bat, uh, a guy that could definitely compete for a bench spot next season. Of course, Lars Newtbar, the outfielder that we've seen, seen play so well for St. Louis, play uh, you know with great emotion, but you know relatively limited in experience. Newtbar doesn't have a long 
a triple A resume. So another way for him to get more at bats and see for the Cardinals to see what they have in. And then the other position player, Brendan Donovan, uh, an infielder who has shown great power, uh, earned a couple of promotions this year, is number 17 on our prospect list. And Brendan Donovan's another guy who can play um, a number of positions, including potentially shortstop. I think he plays some shortstop now for Memphis. And if he could play short, that would be an interesting guy to keep an eye on for the future. Um, on the pitching side, Zach Thompson, the left-hander, has kind of had an up-and-down season, but it's good to see that he's going to continue to pitch and continue to put more innings on his arm, gain more experience against advanced competition. And then Andre Ponte, a right-hander that the Cardinals drafted uh, two years ago, is uh, was having a very, very good season for Springfield, uh, was part of that COVID group, uh, missed multiple weeks, but came back and earned a promotion to Memphis late in the season. So, uh, and then and – then, and uh, Jake Walsh, who's a right-hander who uh, has pitched very, very well in relief this year. But, again, he had an injury and missed multiple months. So he's a guy kind of like Hicks, Walsh I'm talking about, that was was um, slowed by injury this year and can use the Arizona Fall League to to uh, you know build his innings back up and, again, potentially compete for a job in the St. Louis Penn next year. The Hicks thing is interesting to me. John Mosellock has said that, uh, they're looking at him potentially being a starter next year. So how do you think he gets used in the Arizona Fall League? Well, you know, they're going to be slow to ramp up his innings, I would suspect. It would, you know, maybe by the end of the Arizona Fall League, he might be throwing two innings or something like that. Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical whether Hicks can handle a starter's workload, but I think maybe what's behind that is to get him to better fully develop and utilize his multiple weapons. Because it's very tempting when you're a reliever and you come into a tough situation to throw that 103 mile an hour gas and not risk, you know, the breaking pitches that that uh, may or may not hit the plate. So whether Hicks will be a starter long term, you know, I don't know, but I like the idea of him becoming a more complete pitcher than a guy who just throws the ball very, very hard. For people that uh, are curious, and Brian Walton is our guest uh, about the Arizona Fall League and they're part of the Desert Dogs. Explain how this works and the players that are available to go and compete in this league. Yeah, that's it. I guess we'll start with a quick math lesson, Dan. There are 30 major league teams, and in the Arizona Fall League, they're broken up into groups of five, so that makes up six separate teams. And the Cardinals are part of a a group that is headquartered in the uh, White Sox-Dodgers camp in Glendale, and that team consists of players from the Cardinals, the White Sox, the Astros, the Angels, and the Dodgers. So those six organizations sit down and say, okay, we've got to build a complete roster. We're each going to send seven or eight players down to the Arizona Fall League. So let's make sure every organization sends four pitchers, at least one starter, uh, that we have the right number of catchers, that we have enough infielders, we have enough outfielders to be a complete team. So, for example, this year the Cardinals aren't sending a catcher, but they're sending a couple of infielders uh, one, and one outfielder. Uh, as well. So the idea is to make sure that these organizations put together a complete roster. And a guy like Newport, you know, rarely, not, not, you know, super rarely, but it's an, a little bit unusual to see guys with major league experience. We know why, why Hicks is there. Newport is just, again, he advanced so quickly. I think they want to get him more at bats, but if St. Louis is still in the playoffs, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see Lars Newbar pulled from the AFL and you know, kept on the Cardinals playoff roster. And then they substitute somebody else. Um, it's not unusual for players to either come in or and out of the Arizona Fall League roster during the 30-game schedule. Um, the schedule starts, as I said, on October 13th. They play six games a week for uh, five weeks, so they end uh, right before 
um, Thanksgiving. What do you think the next step will be for Nolan Gorman and Matthew Liberator? Their off season, and and what do you think the expectations might be going into twenty twenty two? Well, Matthew Liberator has thrown a lot of innings this season, so I imagine the Cardinals will have him rest up. I, I don't. I'd be surprised if he played winter ball. I mean, it wouldn't be out of the question, but you know, it could be that given he's and and we've talked in uh, recent calls about the fact that Liberator now regularly is pitching seven you know seven innings in a game, so he's you know definitely stretched out as a starter and a guy that you know, we'll come to camp and, you know, maybe make some noise next spring. Gorman, you know, he's, again, slated to play here in the Arizona Fall League, so that will keep him playing ball until uh, mid-November. I imagine he'll go home and, and rest a little bit, but keep on working on his infield defense. And, of course, you know, his bat, Nolan Gorman's bat, will determine whether he's ready to start next season with St. Louis or whether he has to go back to AAA for a while. But I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to see both those players playing for the 2022 St. Louis Cardinals, if not on opening day, certainly in the first half of the season. And finally, at this time of year, normally it's the call-ups and the minor league season is over, but that is not the case with Memphis. They'll wrap it up this weekend. How have they been faring uh, in the final couple of weeks here of, of their uh, postseason, if you will, or just finishing up the season at the uh, AAA level? Well, they had a first series. Uh, the way this works, they they created a tournament um, basically a postseason-like tournament of two weeks of five games each. Uh, Memphis played Birmingham the first week. I think they they lost four or five, um, and then they play again. They're playing again this week, and then the AAA season ends. And that was designed, I think, to keep uh, players ready to restock the major league teams if necessary. And the other thing that happened is that they decided after minor league baseball said they weren't going to have playoffs. I think as the COVID situation improved, they went ahead and had uh, five-game playoffs in all of the other full-season leagues. So I'm talking about double-A, uh, high-A, and class-A. They took the two best teams in terms of their winning records, uh, regardless of their division, and had them play for a championship. So there will be titles at those lower levels. Uh, but as we discussed on earlier calls, the Cardinals minor league teams uh, were basically cellar dwellers this year. So Springfield, Peoria, Palm Beach would not, you know, did not make those postseasons. And then uh, finally, Brian, what are you working on at thecardinalnation.com? Well, we're um, just started our series where we recap the, the details of the seasons at each of the minor league levels. So uh, the Palm Beach, uh, the, the low class A, uh, a summary of the season is posted and that's free for everybody to read this morning. Uh, the Peoria one, will come up and there's a whole schedule on the site of these articles of not only the top teams but then we'll get into the best starting pitchers relief pitchers and hitters at each of the minor league levels and that'll be continuing for the next uh, four weeks awesome stuff as always brian thank you so much we'll catch up soon take care dan cramming more st louis sports talk into your brain it's the danny mac show with bk on 101 espn as we do in our final segment, a chance to go around the major leagues. Big news at Bush Stadium yesterday is Brewers reliever Devin Williams likely out the remainder of the season. He's got a broken right hand. He broke his hand following Sunday's game that clinched the Central Division for Milwaukee. He punched a wall and uh, not not smart and a big, big loss potentially for Milwaukee here in postseason play. White Sox Tim Anderson issued a three-game suspension, made contact with an umpire. Joe Madden says Shohei Otani's season as a pitcher is over. He recorded his 25th and 26th stolen base last night, by the way, the I would say MVP of the American League during the Angels 7-2 win over the Rangers. Just the sixth player with 45 home runs and 25 steals in a season. The Royals re-signed Michael A. Taylor, the former Washington National. He got a two-year, $9 million deal. And speaking of the Royals, their catcher, man, he can flat-out hit. And he- 
hits it to center field. Deep and gone! A three-run, record-tying home run for Salvador Perez. His 48th home run of the season. It's record-tying for the Royals. It's the most they've ever seen anybody hit in a Royals uniform. By the way, he sprained his ankle walking down into the dugout, and uh, looks like he said he's going to still continue to play this weekend and try to set that record. Now, scoreboard watching in particular in the National League, this is a big series. The Braves and the Phillies going head-to-head. What happened in Game 2? Sharply hit and down the line. That's going to score two. Braves magic number now one for the National League East title. National League West, this has implications for the Cardinals. They're going to face either the Giants or the Dodgers. How about San Francisco against Arizona? To right field. Duggar tagging. Ramos has it. His throw is online. Not in time. Giants take the lead. Got him. And that's the ball game. The kid has done it again. He's now two for two. How about that? The Giants beat the Diamondbacks one to nothing. What about the Dodgers? 3-1. Seager out to right field. Back in front of the wall. Can you believe it? The Dodgers take the lead with their fourth home run of the inning. Corey Seager. Four home runs hit in the bottom of the eighth, and the Dodgers beat the Padres 11-9. Max Scherzer, by the way, his last start heading into the playoffs, and he went five and a third, 11 hits, five earned, four strikeouts. So with four to play, the Giants lead the National League West by two games. In the American League, now Tampa Bay has wrapped up the division, but this was an important win for them. Wander Franco. Franco shoots it fair just inside the bag. He's going to dig for two. Alvarez plays the carom, and Franco has himself a two-base hit. Well, Wander waited until the eighth inning last night to draw the walk to extend his streak of now 43 straight games reaching, and he has tied Frank Robinson with this double here in the first inning. He swings. And sends a fly ball into deep right center and out of here. Home run. Choi on the first pitch watches one. A three-run blast, and the Rays will take a 6-0 lead. So Wander Franco extends his on-base streak to 43 games. It's tied with Frank Robinson, longest on-base streak in AL or National League history by a player 20 years or younger. He's an amazing player, and the Rays beat the Astros 7-0, and they clinch the best record in the American League. So that does it. Uh, by the way, in the AL wild card, Yankees, Red Sox, they would be in if it ended today. Yankees up by a game over uh, Boston, and it's getting tight. This is what's going to make this weekend so much fun. The Mariners have hung in there. They're only a half game back, and the Blue Jays are one game back uh, going into the final four days of this regular season. That does it for this show. Alex Ferrario is coming up with uh, BK, and they've got three hours for you. And uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow. I'll be with Michelle tomorrow morning at 7 and then with BK at 10. Tanner, great job as always, and this is 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. 
Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.